The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work super hard every week, year in and year out, to get you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today, I'm doing a fairly risky show in the sense that I have no guest I am here to talk to you about wholesaling in a recession, something that I actually have quite a bit of experience in having done it now through this will be my third recession. But having no guest, I have nobody to, you know, talk to or ask questions of. And that means that if you are interested in knowing how to wholesale in recession or you have specific questions about what's going on right now or things that you have experienced or things that you're afraid of, you need to let me know. Otherwise, it's going to be a sage from the stage kind of thing, which does not work great on radio. Just going to be me talking into a microphone for solid hour. So how would you ask questions or report what you're seeing or talk about your own experiences in Wholesaling in a recession, you could do one of two things. The more interesting one is call 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. If that's not possible for you because of your, I don't know, work situation, you don't have hands-free phone in your car and you're in your car, anything like that. Uh, then you could also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Again, that is askvina at gmail.com. And while I'm waiting for you listeners to come through with questions, reports, and comments, uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati has its actually last regular meeting of the year tomorrow night, the next Official meeting is the Cincinnati chapter meeting, and it is a holiday party with the best and worst deals contest attached to it. So that would be one that uh, you could probably only attend if you were somewhere near the greater Cincinnati area. But the one tomorrow night is on Zoom, and the topics are, because there's always multiple topics going on at Cincinnati REA meetings, uh, at 5.30 we've got just open Zoom networking and Q&A at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to hear from folks who were at the National Real Estate Summit a few weeks back um, what their biggest takeaway aha moment was. So for those of you who did attend, 
uh, but couldn't attend every session because there were too many of them. You'll get to hear some of what happened in the other sessions. For those of you who didn't attend, you'll get to hear like what, what really sunk in with people, what made them decide that they're going to change the way they do things going forward. And then at 7.30, the topic is repair for equity deals. I'm going to be giving that presentation, and I am actually super tickled about it because I rarely get to talk about repair for equity deals and they are actually my favorite way of selling houses that need work. I would rather do repair for equity deals than wholesale deals most of the time because they are more profitable and in a longer term way than wholesale deals. But it does require that you pick the right property in the right area and the right condition with at the right price with the right buyer and that's what's going to be covered at the 730 meeting it is on zoom so that means that if you can hear my voice you can come and so can the 7,999,999,000 people who can't hear my voice the way you would get a link is go to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com right there on the front page. You'll see the meeting announcement. Click the click here link and uh, fill out the form and register and you'll get a link to join us on Zoom tomorrow. Of course, you can come at any time between 5.30 and 7.30 and you can leave any time you need to, but... Uh, you're not going to get there at all without that link from CincinnatiRIA.com. So, uh, oh gosh, there was one other thing I was going to tell people and I've completely spaced on it because I didn't write it down. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, at the National Summit, uh, ORIA announced that on May the 17th, and go ahead and look it up on your calendars, it's a Wednesday. I know, it's a Wednesday. Uh, they are sponsoring an all-day event with Pete Fortunato as the primary attraction. Now, you guys know Pete because he's been on the show several times, and you've heard his name because he's like a real estate genius and probably the best creative deal structure alive today. And uh, he's going to be in Columbus, Ohio for one day, sponsored by the nonprofit Ohio Real Estate Investors Association on May the 17th. And the uh, cost to come, if you sign up like now and not months from now when it's much more money, is $127, which is kind of crazy. Uh, you can get more information about that and register before they run out of seats at orea.com. That's O-R-E-I-A dot com. Um, should be a good event. It's followed up by a cocktail party with Ohio legislators that's included in your tuition. So check that out at orea.com. We'll be back with Wholesaling in a Recession and your questions right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today about what happens in the wholesaling business when the market turns. Also, very much encouraging your calls, comments, questions, etc. Uh, at 877 or if you have to, you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. So here's the thing. 
wholesalers are analogous to a canary in a coal mine as the market is is changing and particularly when it is slowing down, prices are getting lower, uh, properties are staying on the market longer, interest rates are going up. And the reason that I make that rather sad analogy, I always felt sorry for the canaries in the coal mines, um, is because all of that stuff, higher payments on houses because my interest rate has gone up, uh, properties that don't sell as quickly and are not guaranteed to sell for as much money as we thought they were going to when we bought them three months ago. All that stuff that affects our buyers becomes clear to us way before we see those lagging indicators that come out in the media. Like we are just now here at the beginning of November seeing the September numbers because they're you know, all that stuff is lagging indicators. The NAR makes announcements. There's, there's, you know, lots of different organizations that track and uh, create press releases about things like days on market and prices and how many, how many uh, contracts are falling through and all of that sort of stuff. And they don't actually get the numbers. Like they don't get the sep- they don't get the August numbers on September first. They they compile them and they get them mid September, early October, things like that. So we know that it's happening as wholesalers well before everybody else knows that it's happening. And the reason that we know that it's happening is that our buyers who are investors who are looking to meet a particular profit goal for their investments are very, very sensitive to what they are seeing on the ground as opposed to in the news. Now, you know, they, they kind of follow what's in the news as well, but they start they start feeling things like, wow, with uh, interest rates for investors having gone from 4.5 to 7% since March, how do I buy, rehab, rent, refinance, refinance, that's the important R in that burr when the, when the interest rates have gone way up, and then repeat when all of a sudden my, the payment on the how kind of house I like uh, has gone up by $300 a month and I can't raise the rents on that house by $300 a month. And in fact, I'm starting to worry that with inflation so high and the people who would normally rent my houses uh, having to pay more for gasoline and groceries and everything else that, that uh, rents may actually go down. How do, how does, how is this supposed to work? And so they no longer want to pay the same money for the house that they did just six months ago. And so as wholesalers, of course, we, you know, if we've got some experience, we've, we've sold that kind of house before successfully. Uh, we're, we're looking at the comparables, which are also, of course, a lagging indicator. We're looking at what something sold for in February, March, April, that may not be what it would sell for today. And we put a property under contract and we start calling our buyers and our buyers are suddenly, much less responsive. They don't call us back. They don't go to see the property. They would directly say things like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to pay that for the house anymore because my interest rate when I refi is going to be so much higher that I've done the math and I need to pay this lower price for the house. So like we know it first, we know before anybody else that the market is changing and how quickly it is changing. And that has become super evident in about the last three to four months. 
Um, I'm hearing uh, from more and more wholesalers about, you know, I've got a property on the market and it's, I've got a deal on the market. I don't have a property on the market. I have a deal on the market and it's not selling and people aren't calling me and they're, they're not coming to look at it. And what do I do? Because I don't understand what's going on. Well, what's going on is your buyers got more conservative because they are worried about the market and what they are seeing in it. And of course, the, the, the properties that you sell to people who want to fix and resell them, same exact situation. They're looking at, at a property that they would have bought in March for a certain price. And they're saying, well, yes, but now I'm likely to have more holding time because 17% of all real estate contracts fell out of contract in the month of August. And that could happen to me and I could have to put it back on the market and I could, my holding time could go from 30 days to 90 days. And that extra 60 days costs money. I've got to make the interest payment on my hard money loan. I've got to pay the taxes and the insurance and the utilities. And so I need to be more conservative about what I am paying to take into account my potentially increased expenses and the fact that I'm worried about the, the fact that the property might be worth less, not worthless, worth less money uh, come the time that I have finished it. So a lot of stuff comes into play here for wholesalers who are trying to stay in the wholesaling business through the down market. And it's not, it's not something you need to be terrified about. You know, I've, I've wholesaled in a lot of down markets. And in fact, in many cases, I uh, have done better in the down markets than I have in the up markets, because one of the things that happens is that the desperate sellers get more desperate because there are fewer buyers out there for their properties and the competition drops away. You just have to be prepared to do the things you need to do. And a good time to get prepared for that would have been three months ago, but you know, can't, don't have a time machine. Uh, we'll have to talk about what to do right now. Uh, again, happy to take your questions, uh, calls, comments, your own experiences in what you're seeing going on in the market at 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com. So the first thing that we sort of have to deal with if we're going to talk about how to, as a wholesaler, or I guess this really applies to retailers and rental property owners as well uh, in the market is the problem with the comparable sales. I mean, we have had literally, let's see, we've had literally 10 years of an up market leading into this. And that meant that when we looked at comparable sales, we were seeing more and more and more and more of them as time went by. In other words, if I'm, if I'm looking at, you know, what is sold in the last year, that number got bigger and bigger and bigger because more stuff was selling. And also we could be confident that we, if we were looking at a sale from a year ago of a substantially similar property, that our property was worth at least that, if not more, because up market, right? We're looking for the after repaired value. And when it's an up market, we can assume that in a house that sold in great condition a year ago would probably sell for more money this year than it did last year. That is uh, not the case as the market starts to turn around and decline. And we have to be much more careful about how we are comping houses 
Uh, first thing is you probably should be looking at anything that has sold that was longer than six months ago. So back when interest rates were 4.5% for an investor, uh, you should probably be looking at those with a little bit of a jaundiced eye. You should probably be thinking to yourself, okay, so that was when the payment would have been much lower than it would have been right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to see that that comparable is there, but I'm going to look at the more recent comparables more seriously. Now, eventually, you know, a year from now, we will have been into the at least stagnant, if not down market for an entire year. And this will become less of an issue. We won't have to say, okay, so yeah, that house sold for 250. What did more recent deals sell for and how long were they on the market? Uh, the problem that we will find a year from now is that there are fewer comparable sales to choose from because as sales slow down and as uh, some properties just don't sell and as we've got this additional problem now of uh, sell, uh, potential sellers who are literally locked into their houses by their 2.5% interest rates. They cannot... They cannot afford to sell their house and move up because moving up means moving up in square footage and price, but also in payment a lot, a lot more uh, than they probably ever would have expected. So uh, as we're, as we're getting further into this, we will find that there are fewer and fewer comps to choose from. And I remember times in 2009, 10, 8, where when I looked for comparable sales on a particular property, there literally were none that meet our typical requirement of it has to be an after repaired condition, it has to be a substantially similar house, and it has to be an arm's length transaction. I actually have a file somewhere where I, I, demonstrated this by by showing that uh, there was a property I was trying to find the value on in a particular neighborhood and every single one of the comparable sales, there were like seven of them over a year, every single one of them was a bank-owned property that had sold. And that's not usually what we're looking for in a comparable sale because those properties usually aren't fixed up and that's not generally an arm's length transaction. So um, yeah, coming up with values gets harder. So what do you do? Well, there's not a lot you can do except for reach out into places that you don't really want to reach out to. Look at, look at what is active on the market, how long it's been on the market, because a property that's been on the market for $250,000 for 200 days that doesn't tell you what it's worth, but it tells you what it's not worth. <laughs> not worth $250,000. Sometimes you have to go out a little further geographically uh, while still hopefully staying in the same, quote, neighborhood and definitely the same school system. Um, for the last few years, we've been able to look at comparables within a quarter mile of our properties that we're, that we're trying to find the value on. That will eventually extend out to a half mile. And at the bottom of the Great Recession, it's sort of extended out to like a mile <laughs> or more. Uh, another thing that you can do if what, if the property you're looking at is going to be a rental, and you will know that because of, it's in a neighborhood that's mostly rental properties, 
uh, is do sort of like a cash flow evaluation on it and say, okay, there aren't any good comps, but what would it rent for and what would the expenses be and at what price is that kind of a no-brainer deal for someone who's going to buy it and rent it? Did a lot of that back during the Great Recession as well. So comping properties is um, becomes more and more of a challenge the longer the market is slow and you just have to deal with it in the ways that I just said. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to line one and talk to Alan in Columbus and also to anyone else who wants to talk about to talk during this whole thing, wholesaling during a recession show at 877-772-9658. Or you can send in your questions to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about, uh, I don't know, advice for wholesalers as the market turns. And you can listen to me or not. It's just that I do have 25 years worth of experience wholesaling in up markets and down markets. So um, I don't know. I would say listen to me. You, you can make your own decision. Uh, we're going to go to the phones now and talk to Alan on line one in Columbus. Alan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, Vina. Hey, Alan. What's up in Columbus, Ohio? Well, it's uh, there's a lot of snow on the deck at the moment, but um, <laughs> probably nobody's looking at houses right now in this weather. Uh, yeah, because it's not 2021. <laughs> 2021, <laughs> uh, all the agents would have you know back-to-back showings on every new listing that went on the market. <laughs> Yes. So I was wondering about comping. Can you really take comps like from springtime and compare them to now Um, in this kind of market? Yeah, no. But on the other hand, as as I was just saying, as time goes by, we're going to just see less and less comps that we can even look at. Right. We're going to see less and less sales full stop. and, And we're looking for such a particular kind of sale. I mean, the, the, the goal is find a property in after repaired value for the area, right? So that means the one that, right. the one that it says right in the, in the agent's comments, um, handyman special needs work, investor special, no FHA. We kind of have to discard that. That's, that's not the, that's not a comparable sale when what we're looking for is after repaired value which leaves us only with the stuff that either the pictures show that it was pretty updated and you know probably more updated than other houses in the area or the agent's comment says uh just rehabbed or you know new furnace 2 years ago new roof last year new kitchen and bath this year it's not like every sale is a good sale for us to st- to begin with and now we've okay. got we've yep. got we've got the additional problem of how many sales are we actually going to see over the winter? You know, I mean, it's not that there won't be any, but there will be a lot fewer, which means a lot fewer of them will be the kind of comp we are looking for. So I'm still using on my little system that I use to comp properties. I'm still, I'm still saying, you know, show me stuff that's a year old. But when I see things from winter of last year and spring of this year, I make note of them, but I, think to myself they would not sell for more now than they did then and they might not they might 
sell for less. So let me let me look at what has sold okay. recently and cross my fingers that there's three after repair comps in that has sold in the last, you know, since July, say, uh, category. Because if there aren't three, like one comp is no good. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. The fact that this house sold for X doesn't mean doesn't mean very much. I need to see like three. So if what I have is like one good one since July and then I've got three good ones, but they're from February, I'm going to say, okay, so how, how do they compare? Are the ones in February higher, but, but still within the same range or are they about the same? And I'm going to make my decision from there. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, it's hard to look at them if you've never been in them and there's no pictures. You really have to decide if that's a good comp or not. Yeah, you guys have an interesting situation up there in Columbus. Um, I, I was literally comping a property in Columbus today, and there were umpteen comps. I mean, there were probably... And this was a really kind of specialized kind. It was a, it was a double. It was a really special, and it was frame. <laughs> so it was like a really specialized kind of house. And I still came up with like eight comparables. But when I went to look at the picture, so I like put the addresses in the in Google and said, you know, show, show me these. And I would go to all the different sites, including the original listing agent site. The only picture there was the front was the, was the picture of the front of the house. So I think that something's going on up there where you guys' MLS cuts off the feed of the interior pictures once the house is sold. Because not one single one of those listings had a had more than one picture in it, and when I comp things in other places, uh, usually whatever pictures were in MLS when the property was listed are still there. They're still on Zillow. They're still on the agent's website. So I think I think Columbus MLS is cutting the feed off once the property goes sold. Yes, I think you're right. And I actually looked at one today, and I actually found it on maybe Redfin. Instead of my normal search, and then the the front picture was a picture of before it was painted, so it was like the last time it sold. It wasn't this time it sold, but the time before's picture. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I wonder if we were looking at the same house because I I saw one of those too, where the 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 picture it was right it was the right house, but the agent's comment said you know new siding or something like that. I was like this house is oh this is from a 2019 listing. I see what's going on here. Yeah, it says new furnace in 2013 or something. You're like, hmm, that's because that's it was new in 2013, but it's not new anymore. Yeah, that's not that's not much of a selling point. That it's got a furnace that's halfway through its useful, more than halfway through its useful life. So yeah, probably an old listing. All right, Alan, appreciate your call. Okay, thank you very much. Good luck out there. Let's go to line two, Russell in Connecticut. Russell, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Each other. Great, great. I wanted to ask, I thank you for mentioning about the, um, you know, finding things pretty much that didn't need work. I'm wondering if there may be uh, some opportunity in something that just might mean, I mean, very, very minimal work if it was lower, uh, you know, with a lower offer due to that. So what are we, your thoughts on that? Are we talking about comps? Comps and, uh, right, comps and if you're looking at investments, is that 
I'm guessing then the most we'd want to do is look at something that might have just a little bit of work needed. Well, you know, that, very... that was another interesting thing that happened during the Great Recession. And I keep I keep saying Great Recession. I need to I need to step back and say to everybody, my personal thought is we are we are facing nothing like that. Uh-huh. Okay, we're not we're not going to see property values drop 40% and nobody able to to get a loan and you know 19 million foreclosures and all those things that we saw in the great recession. This is more of a normal recession. It's just been a really long time since we saw one, so people are not used to what happens. Um so yeah, one of the things that I noticed with my buyers during the uh-huh. 09 to or 08 to 2011 the market here really turned around in 2012 uh and it was just kind yeah. of bouncing along the bottom in 2011 it wasn't changing up or down very much in 2011 uh was that they got kind of picky about how much work they were willing to do and yeah. the 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 reason was there was so much available, right? There were so many deals. Like there there were literally millions of bank owned properties on the market. There were desperate sellers everywhere. There were people who literally, like, you talk to them on the phone and and say, "Okay, so what if you just gave me the deed and I took over your payments?" And they'd say, "Yes, yes, please do that." And then you'd look at the details of the t- payments you were taking over and you'd say, "No, I I can't." I can't actually do that. You, you owe way more than the house is worth, and I'm not sure I can cover the payments with the rent. So just the the sheer volume of properties to choose from, I think uh-huh. I think led a lot of buyers to sort of get spoiled about, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to do that much work. And there there came a point where, again, you know, never a bad market for a real estate investor, right? Mm-hmm. It's a buyer's market, seller's market, doesn't matter. Never a bad market if you know what you're doing. Uh, we came to a point where if a house needed more than $20,000 worth of work, and think about how little work that is. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like paint it, do the flooring, replace the plumbing because it's been stolen. Maybe do a kitchen and bath facelift. Right? You're not going to get a full kitchen and bath in for that for that kind of money. If it needed more than that, we had to sell it for sixty cents on the dollar less repair costs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, if if it right. only if it only needed twenty if it only needed twenty thousand, we could sell it pretty easily at like sixty eight to seventy cents on the dollar less repair costs. But buyers just were not interested in going in and doing full rehabs because there was so much on the market that didn't need it. Um, and I remember one buyer, the one who, who put it to me the most plainly said, we are in a market where thousands of houses have been bought by investors, fully renovated, and then lost to the bank all in a two year period. So, uh-huh. so I can go buy that house that the only thing I'm going to have to do is replace the plumbing because it has been stolen. Remember when that was a thing? The only mm-hmm. the only thing I, yep the only thing I have to do is replace the plumbing and paint it and do the flooring, and I can have it on the market for rent in a week. Yeah. So with that kind of inventory available, which I, I don't know that we're going to see a, a lot of of that, but with that kind of inventory available, nobody wanted the stuff that needed fifty thousand dollars worth of work. Yeah, 
Yeah, makes sense. And I'm wondering for those who who are stuck because they had a low interest rate. I wonder if they're going to get organized and become minimalists if they're they're moving up because they had too much stuff. It <laughs> <laughs> might it might have that effect, you know, an unexpected thing, but not really do directly be. to real estate. But. Well, you know, you know what I'm wondering when I when I got started in real estate investing, everybody knew about creative finance techniques and were very open to using them. And when I say everybody, I don't mean every real estate investor. I mean real estate agents, normal home sellers, banks. I I, I wish I had kept this, but I, I remember seeing a listing back in probably 1989 or 90 where it was a bank-owned property, and they were offering to sell it on land contract. Uh. So why was that, and how is it similar to today? Well, so in 1979, interest rates doubled, uh. which pushed a lot of people out of the housing market. Until the prices, until the prices settled at a point where you could afford to buy a house at 18% interest. And, you know, eventually, eventually people's wages caught up and the house prices didn't go up. And so agents who wanted to stay in the business of selling houses learned about uh, okay, so my client can't sell this house conventionally because nobody can afford it at 19% interest, but if he is willing to carry a second mortgage, if he is willing to uh, allow his loan to be taken over, if he is willing to sell on land contract, then he can sell and I can get paid. So by the time I got into the business 10 years later, enough people had done it enough time just as, just as a matter of like survival that folks just understood it. So the question is, will this go on long enough that that happens again because that will make for a very interesting world, won't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Opportunities out of it. Sure. I would like to live in that world. Yep. Me too. So I appreciate your call, Russell, as always. Thank you. As well. Thank you. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, after which we will go to emails and also to John, who is calling on line one from New Jersey. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's having conversations today about to the market and about wholesaling as it is affected by the market when it slows down and rates go up. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones, talk to John on line one from New Jersey. John, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Gina, how you doing? Good, how are you? Um, good, good. Um, so New Jersey is a different animal, right? Um, <laughs> the wholesalers are still pricing like it's last year, and I think the sellers still think it's last year. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone and their brother is still getting into wholesaling, and I'm thinking – I thought this was a good time to get into it. I haven't done it in a while um, because of the opportunity coming. And instead of the 70% minus profit, uh, minus repairs, minus profit, I'm thinking the formula is probably 60%, which you touched on a minute ago. And I'm wondering, how can I get an edge when I'm talking to sellers if all of my competition are still 
offering them way too much money okay. considering what's going on. Let me let me ask you a question, John. You say all the wholesalers are still offering deals as if it were the crazy market of a year ago. Are they selling them? Offering them and I selling them? I believe they are. Okay. I believe they are because because they properties they're no longer available. I mean, I haven't looked in. There could be a couple of reasons they're not available, though, right? One is the contract expired. One is it got sold. One is it got, the seller got sick of waiting for the wholesaler to stop making excuses and actually closed and said, hey, you know, your 30 days is up. (laughs) We're done here. And and this is this 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 lag where everybody kind of knows that the market is not the same, except apparently the sellers is 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 normal. And you know what you know what teaches them that it's that the market has changed? They sit on their house for months. Exactly. They sit on their house for months. And, uh, you know, for, for a seller's not really that motivated. For a seller's like, yeah, I mean, if it, I, I'd like to get another house, but I don't have to get another house. And if nobody wants to pay me what I want, then I'll just keep living here because I value it more than the market does. Those sellers are the reasons that we don't see the giant price drops in these minor recessions. I, I think in the 2001 recession, I read that nationwide houses dropped or sale prices dropped like seven to ten percent over the course of that entire you know 13 or 18 month recession so um yeah unmotivated sellers are never who we're talking to as real estate investors full stop the ones we're talking to are the ones who have to sell and i can tell you from my own experience over the last few months that the ones who have to sell uh, are either very aware that things have changed or they become aware pretty quickly because, you know, they got, when they, when they were first, when they first got into whatever their issue is six months ago, they got 300 postcards and 30 people showed up at their door and wanted to make them offers and they turned them all down because they were like, I've got the hottest property in the world. And then as whatever, whatever was happening got closer and closer, whether it was a tax foreclosure or a foreclosure, or they had to close out an estate or the, the building department on their back, whatever it was, um, the, the offers dried up. And, and in, in, in a lot of, in a lot of the cases that I, I talked to, what, what has actually happened is that somebody did put it under contract. And then couldn't get a private lender to lend them that much money. Or uh, if it was a regular bank that was making the loan, the appraisal didn't come in. Or the interest rate went up so much that the people couldn't qualify anymore, right? So so they had an offer, but it fell through. And now that time pressure is really pressuring them. You know, and it's okay. it's, it's a matter of... Uh, either I sell it or <laughs> the sheriff takes it or the city takes it or, you know, we don't we don't close the estate before the end of the year or whatever. And they they start talking differently. They start saying, you know, at this point, we just we just have to get rid of it. So we are in that weird kind of hang time right now where unmotivated sellers, they're just going to hold out for what they want, probably motivated sellers at the beginning of them trying to sell are 
probably still thinking they can get what their neighbor got a year ago. Yeah. And it's not fair if they don't get that. But right. so here, here is, here is the key to putting any kind of deal under contract right now. Wholesale, you're going to hold it, whatever. It is follow up. It is regular follow up. And I mean, like okay. every every two to three weeks, you should be calling back any seller who has uh, contacted you and 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 actually does have a story that tells you they're motivated, and just checking in. You know, you're not you're not calling them back. I know you live in New Jersey, but you're not calling them back saying, "Hey, you ready to take my offer yet?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, welcome, yeah. welcome to Foreclosureville, well, population you. You know that no, the the conversation is. <laughs> The conversation is, um, hey, I was just checking in. I know, I know you really needed to get that property sold by next month. Wondering if you got any offers you liked. Wondering what your plan is. If you don't get any offers you like, and just just kind of a check in call, right? And sure. ev- eventually, so, the the guy who follows up gets the deal. Right? Is is there like a a particular group that would be more like because. If you're just doing absentee owners or whatnot, they're not going to be as motivated as somebody else, right? So, yeah. And when calling a list, when calling a list, what what should be the focus there? Okay, first of all, absentee owners, yuck. That is not a motivated list. Never has been. Secondly, yeah. um, the the kind of the 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 thing of the moment right now is uh, foreclosures. I mean, it's there's there's been a huge boom in the number that have been filed. And what I am hearing from sellers who are finding themselves in that situation is, well, we, we thought that we were going to be able to get a loan modification because we, we heard all about that on the news. And now the bank is not giving us a loan modification. And also, we haven't actually made payments in like two years. So we're way we're way too far behind to ever catch up. You know, we're forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars behind. So that's kind of the the thing that is here now that wasn't here a year or two ago. Yeah. Um tax yeah. tax foreclosures are kind of the same way. You know, they got they got amnesty for a year or two, but you know what taxes are like in New Jersey, man. If you get 2 years behind, you got to win the lottery to catch back up again, you know? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, uh yeah. Th- those are the two I would I would say that, you know, ha- hasn't already been said a million times. Um, also I would consider John the idea of rather than cold calling people, uh, maybe do some mail to them because people, people do not. Well, let me ask you this, John, do you like it when strangers call you and say, I would like something from you or I would like to sell you something? Oh no. So I haven't been cold calling. I'm just starting to get back into the, this part of it. So, um, I was I hate cold calling like probably everybody else, but um, yeah, mail. I mean, I've been sending out a little bit of mail, but not getting any response. So mm. it's just a kind of test at this is point. That, is that to absentee owners by any chance? Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, there were a couple. There were a couple. There was I, some. There were a couple. I've been. I've been. I've been marketing a little bit on Facebook and looking for people to tell me about some places. There were some like abandoned houses and, and so forth like that, trying to find them um, and mailing to them as well. Yeah, abandoned so, houses are actually a really good um, 
the driving for dollars thing is actually a really, really good way of finding deals. But, uh, you know, obviously you can't send out a few. You've got to, like, have a list of a couple hundred that you're contacting pretty regularly. Okay, John? Okay. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for your call. Great questions. Um, Yeah, we got two minutes. And Randy actually is a member. If he's the Randy, I think he is. He's a member of Inner Circle, and he can send me his question through the inner circle site. Sorry, Randy, we are just like seriously running out of time and I've got a couple of email questions I need to uh, pick up here. Um, Harry asks, how has maximum allowable offer changed? And the answer is, so yeah, I wanted to get to that, talking about wholesaling in recession. I've been saying for a very long time, like probably five years, that it was pretty easy to sell deals at 75 cents on, on the dollar of ARV less repair costs. That number has come down, at least if you're dealing with the experienced buyers you need to be dealing with, to 70 cents on the dollar of after-repaired value, less repair costs. And if it goes down to 65, which I don't think it is, I will let y'all know, but we are out of time uh, on this show. Obviously need to do more doing it in recession shows, but we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.